Hey everyone, welcome to the OFT Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Voles, Site Manager, Emperor, Supreme Warlord, and Defender of the Faith over at OneFootDown.com on the Espionation Network. And joining me once again is the Commissioner Jude Seymour and the Chief Inspector, Brendan McAlinden. Fellas, I saw somebody have a tear maker on Twitter today, and they had home run in pizza at the bottom tier of frozen pizzas, and I have been belligerent ever since. Stop trying to put Big Game Boomer into my timeline. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you in North Carolina drive time. Though. You in North Carolina drive time are not about that life. Hey. NC State <laughs> tier one, home run in pizza tier four. I don't get it. I don't get it. Joe always think the funny thing was when he said this is a joke, and then uh, then that boomer kid gets in there like this isn't a joke. This is how I feel. The funny thing is, it's not a joke. He's just not. He these are shit lists by a person who's just making shit up, and it's not well, as a joke. <clears throat> it's a ludicrous business for him because he went from basically no one to now people talk about him all the time in all of the college football spheres. Well, and people like uh, Ovi's can they uh, all they they can just point the finger right at the someone like Stu Mandel who was like these are great. Look at these are these got color in it and everything. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, they're great. They're great, Stu. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just, I, I've, well, I've never I've never gotten big game boomer. I I muted him the moment that he didn't put Quentin Nelson on some list that Quentin Nelson definitely the one needed to be on, and I've never looked back since. So Is he I, an all American voter? <laughs> That's why I sent you that tweet, Jude. I, I I knew you'd appreciate. Knew you'd appreciate. Yeah, like I just I don't even get tagging him, right? Which is like he's like you shouldn't. This big game boomer is a joke. Here's how you get big game boomer. Here, <laughs> like, follow, subscribe. Right. I mean, big game boomers like yeah. My just my engagement went through the roof today. Like I'm pretty I'm pretty psyched that this guy is upset with me. Maybe I should really dig in deep. Oh no, I, I, that's I'm with Brendan. The guy doesn't intended to be a troll. He just he has just he just has <laughs> shitty takes. Right, right. I get it. That's all right. I got shitty takes too. Yeah, let's you do guys, it. We're full. You wouldn't believe. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I do want to I do want to mention. So I put up the five ways to make uh, Notre Dame Stadium more hostile uh, the other day. Yeah, it was good. Lovely piece, and. I did get a couple – I thought it would be worse. I did get a couple of Facebook comments where people were losing their mind, like taking it like stupidly seriously. And I'm like, man, these this guy really took you – know, these guys are taking this too seriously. But most people took it for what it was, and it was a good time. But I did get an email today from uh, – I believe it was a couple of Notre Dame students, and they sent me like a shit ton of screenshots – from a group text that they had about the article and these guys went off and in the best way possible. Like they want to completely, <laughs> I mean, I should, I should have brought them on as a, a part of a brain trust uh, just for that story. alone. I was going to say, it sounds funny. like a great off the rails. Oh, was, me today was, is the group text that was talking about my article. <laughs> oh, oh, these, these, these guys, uh, it's just good to know that I can relate with the kids, you know? 
At 43, yeah. I can still I can still shoot the breeze with a 22 year old. Uh, just don't tell my wife that. All right. Oh, there is okay. So there is kind of a bunch of college football news. Still not a ton of Notre Dame news except for recruiting. We're gonna get through to to a lot of that stuff. Uh, and then we got something else uh, going on tonight. Uh, uh, we're going to find out who the boys are. Uh, but first, before we move on to anything else, got them reviews. Just a reminder, everybody, get on over to Apple Podcasts, leave a rating, leave a review. Any review that you leave, we will read on the next OFD podcast. Brennan, what are we looking for? Uh, well, I believe we are looking for those earned five stars, uh, be it Jeremiah Wusu koromoa Julian Love, or uh, the more longer earned uh, Kyle Hamilton, which uh, Jude uh, will admit is the uh, the truest of the five. And Started I, I as a five, like, ended as a five. <laughs> I mean, I'm a Julian Love guy. Totally earned. Totally earned. All right. I'm a Jeremiah Wusu koromoa guy. Because I think if not for that fake uh, heart story or whatever the ailment that they thought he had, he would definitely would have been first he would round. Have been first round, and, yeah. And, and he's let, playing and like it for the Browns too. Right. And let's be honest, of yeah. of all the players mentioned, he probably looks best with a shirt off. Am I right? Ooh, God, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I like the way you said. I like the way you said, God, yeah. I love it, dude. <laughs> love it. Let it loose, baby. Fanning Let it loose. Myself. Fanning myself. <laughs> all right. First review tonight uh, here from uh, Noah's a boss. Uh, five stars stole my wife's phone. This fucker gets it. Yeah. Uh, love this podcast. Josh, hot Mike, Jude, and Brett. <laughs> Brett it all make me spit <laughs> just about every podcast. I also find it funny that Josh has two different podcast personalities: subdued for the off the rails and hype for the regular podcast. What is all of your conspiracy theories? Not just ND, not, what is all your favorite uh, conspiracy theories? Not just ND related. My current one is that Tyler didn't really twist his ankle. ND just didn't want OSU to have any film on him for the season opener. Thoughts? Uh, all right, Noah. Well, first of all, I, I want to say this it is hard to not look like a completely fucking crazy asshole uh, to do a monologue podcast and be hype as shit. <laughs> I got like did not have someone to argue. If I'm arguing with somebody on uh, on an off the rails podcast, it was just me. So I'm arguing with myself. Send help, brother. Send uh, help. You you did do that. No, no, no. That was the OFT podcast, and I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I heard. I, I, all I got, I got an MP3 file, and I I will admit to nothing else. <laughs> uh, oh, favorite conspiracy. I think. Uh, all the JFK stuff is fun. We and what's oh, funny yeah. is, like, of all the commentary about the podcast episodes the last few months, some of the most, some of the, the biggest amount of comments and, and uh, more passionate ones had to do with you know just our our few JFK comments that we made. But uh, God, all of those are just great. Uh, giant humanoids is another one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, Notre Dame Josh, related, Notre Dame related, ninety three, the conspiracy to give Bobby Bowden his lifetime achievement award. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's yeah. that's a top tier Notre Dame conspiracy theory. I want to see the, show me the documents, show me the documents. I want to see the votes. 
Um, and Josh, I, I, as profane as this sounds, I actually I actually have watched a fair amount of like nine eleven stuff too. Have you watched any oh, like yeah. the the conspiracies regarding nine eleven? And then tangential oh, yeah. to that is, um, I think the the name of the documentary was the woman who wasn't there about the the woman who claimed she was at nine eleven and basically got a lot of like internet sympathy and then was like revealed as like a total fraud and like a real head case. I don't know if you ever saw that one. Yeah, oh yeah. I've, I've seen it all. I've, I've, have you uh, seen or read the ones about uh, 9-11 being a uh, satanic ritual? <laughs> no. Wow. Cause see that Ooh. those, I think the satanic stuff is my favorite. Uh, Cause I think we're entered into a new era of satanic panic. Uh, like the early nineties. Uh, when everything was uh, all Satanism all the time. And I think we're getting to that again. And now, but now it's much more nuanced than that. Um, thanks to Hollywood and, and everything else. Now everything's a fucking ritual. Now everything, <laughs> now everything is a, is a Dan Brown. Now it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I'm also super into uh, knowing whether Shelly Miscavige is alive or dead, but uh, maybe that's a little <laughs> too inside baseball for most of you guys. I mean, when's the last time she was seen though? Uh, apparently the LAPD stopped by, uh, gold base and talked to her and confirmed her aliveness. Oh but, yeah. But this was several years ago, several, or they had a really cryptic thing. Like we have no reason to believe that she's in danger or something. You know, it wasn't like they, they didn't confirm that they talked to her. They just confirmed that they were like, they had closed the case. I don't know she's if that, Leah, a, Leah Remini she's not started a that one, but. She's not a squirrel. She's also not doing uh, scut chores in the in the as as some sort of pe- weird penance or something. So, some, I mean, we're gonna have to break out an e meter on this podcast uh, pretty, pretty soon <laughs> if we if we're going if we're going down this route. Uh, Brenda, yeah. what's up? You, you got a special? Uh, you got anything else besides the '93 Bobby Bowden uh, send off uh, for any, Notre Dame related? I mean, I, I like perpetuating the absolute myth that Golden Tate was the one who punched Jimmy Clausen because I think it's funnier that they're like super close nowadays, and that like Golden needed to punch Jimmy in that moment for them to like be best buds. But it's clearly Golden clearly did not punch Jimmy at CJ's that one night. But no, well, that that punch came from from level, not from down below. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we can get a forensic forensicologist or whatever in here to to show how that shiner, uh, but it, but it, but it looked to me like it did not come from down below. It came from from that level. Hey, did Jimmy miss the game? No. What about the uh, conspiracy that they uh, forced Lou Holtz out because they didn't want him to to break Rockney's win record? That's a good one, right? Uh, That's an oldie. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a great cover up. To the real conspiracy of them trying to get Holtz the fuck out of there before the NCAA came down on him. Oh, it's it's just like the JFK's. The, yeah, the, the the thing that blows that out of the water, and I know it's different people, but the things that blows out of the water is that they let Kelly do that, right? Because if right. they they wouldn't let Holtz do it, and they shouldn't have let Kelly do it. I know that it's a different posse, but oh, um, significantly different posse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a whole different uh, whole different group running it's things. Not, yeah, it's not Monk and. Uh, Oh, who's AD back then? Cunningham. Um, yeah, but you know, know. you know, Holtz, Holtz and, and Kelly are on two different trajectories too. At the, at that point, where Holtz was on the decline, 
Sure. And they were kind of looking to get him out anyways. And right. Kelly had been a step, you know, for, forgive, forgive the positive, uh, uh Brad Kelly, uh, comments on uh, uh, this podcast, but you know, he had been doing pretty well for the last five years. Yeah. So, you know, and with the expectation that he was going to be around for a while to I continue. Think, I think there's a good chance that by the end of next season, we'll, Talk, some of us will be talking about how much we miss Brian Kelly. I'm not gonna. I'm not going there in May. <laughs> I went. I went there after the Fiesta Bowl. It was a dark hour, and I was there. I got out of that. I'm gonna. I'm gonna stay out of that. Yeah. I, just, I was just thinking about our conversation that we had with with Greg, where we were trying to game the 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 ceiling and the floor for the next season. And, you know, it's so it's absolutely so difficult to do this sort of exercise in, in May, but it didn't stop us from trying. So, no. and you know, I, I just, I was with, I'm on team Brandon. I, I do not believe six and six is actually possible, but no, it was definitely, no. it was definitely thrown out there as a possibility. And, uh, you know, I think hope springs eternal. I think if, you beat Ohio State, and Brendan's starting to turn me into a believer that this is totally out of whack and based a lot about hype. Um, but if you beat Ohio State, then twelve and zero is definitely in the in the window. Just um, oh yeah, yep yep. But I also think Clemson is terribly overrated, and I don't think that's actually going to be that great of a game. And they're charging one hundred and seventy five dollars for upper seats. For I, that is that amazing? It's is so amazing. Like it's so. I mean, I get it. Clemson's a marquee game, but you know what? And it may not be at that, that point, though. I understand. That's exactly right. I well, Clemson, two, years, so it's, two years ago when they played, there wasn't fans in the stands besides the students and the faculty. So this is really the first time for our most normal Notre Dame fans to, to be able to see Clemson in the flesh since, you know, the 1970s. But at the same time, I don't think Clemson's going to be ascending at that time. I think there's a very good chance that Clemson is is – is very ordinary. And a lot of people are going to have paid $175 face to sit in the nosebleeds um, and watch a, a good to great Notre Dame team um, run through a, a mediocre to good Clemson team. Listen to the, listen to this prediction right now. Okay. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to make the prediction, but I'm going to put it out there. Now I think we've already gone on this podcast before and gone through uh, what Clemson has to do who they play before they get to Notre Dame, which yep. by the way, they have a bye week before Notre Dame. Go figure. Of course they do. I think there is a two game stretch that they face a real possibility of losing two games in a row. And Thompson? you could even Boston college, yeah. Florida state. Uh, oh, you know what? Both, they're all, both are on the road. Both are on the road. Let's make that a three-game stretch, Josh. Yeah, with NC, with NC State. With NC yeah. State. Yeah. There's, those three games are going to be a lot – right now, to me, they look a lot trickier for Clemson because I think Clemson is overrated as fuck right now. I just – I the, uh, the shine is off. The shine is off. And, and I would not put it past – within that three-game stretch, I could see Clemson losing two games – I won't say easily, but I mean, like that's for me. That's a that could be a, a reality. I could, I could be like, yep, that doesn't shock me at all. So by the 
time they get to South Bend, they could have two. Fuck, they could have three. Who knows? I mean, it's just it doesn't seem possible. Yeah. But when you look at when you look at Clemson and you really look at what they are and what they do, and this whole staff turnover and all this other shit, how good are they really? I mean, it's a stagnant offense with a bad offensive line. Um, there's there is a litany of questions. I, I mean, their offense was putrid last year. Um, and if there's more of that this year. And they didn't go outside to hire. They no. didn't bring in fresh ideas. And, and we've seen this at Notre Dame. We've seen how bad this can be sometimes. We've also seen it be good, too, though. Mm-hmm. But when when something is bad, it, we didn't keep it in house. But you know I, mean? I would you say ca- for the in house part, like I think I'm less worried about their DC hire. I'm more worried about their offensive coordinator hire right. because their offense, yes. a, a, for a lot of people smarter than me, have noticed that their offense was masked. Just how archaic and sort of bland it was was masked by the fact they had Trevor Lawrence. Um, and if the you know Travis Etienne, yeah Travis Etienne, and the floor fell out last year, and they stayed in house, same offensive scheme. Um, so it's not like you are replacing, um, you know, Mike Elko, who brought a, a good defense with a disciple of his who carried it on in Clark Lee. You're you're bringing sort of like the staleness of the offense that you had back. And what did that offense evolve into last year was basically uh, run, run Will Shipley to death. It was put your dick in a drawer and slam it as many times as you could. (laughs) Ouch. It was, it was, it was painful to, and like, did Shipley end up with four yards per carry by the end? Uh, I don't know. I mean, they, dude, they fucking ran him into the ground. Oh, and he got hurt and yeah. And he got, uh, I mean, and he got hurt. That's what I'm saying. So if anytime anyone brings up Will Shipley to me this year about playing Clemson, I'm just be like, well, let's talk about that a week or two out before the game. Cause I want to, I want to know if that kid's going to be healthy or not because he, they are putting it all on him. DJ Uyangale for as great of a t- t- night as he had against Notre Dame in 2020 has not played to that, to that level that they need. They need a Clemson because of their offensive line issues that they've had for years and years and years and years. They have needed an absolute stud at running back. They have needed an absolute stud at quarterback to get by. And that's just not, that's not working out right now. Like DJ, like Will Shipley's fine, but he's getting murdered because he, he doesn't have the type of holes that other half uh, is like Alabama or Notre Dame has half his games last year were below 4.2 yards per carry. Like he in the bowl game against Iowa State, he went 18 for 61. Because it's telegraphed. Everybody knows what they're what he's doing, what they're doing. Yeah, and there's no creativity in the running either. It's just like, I mean, yeah, it's it's just it's bad. Um, and maybe maybe they 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 figured out and uh, maybe DJU has a has a bounce back year. But like, I'm not even sure DJU is going to be the quarterback. Come the Notre Dame you know game. Check, check that. That is a tricky four-game stretch. They start off at Georgia Tech, then they're at home against Furman, uh, racist name Furman, uh, and and then uh, Louisiana Tech. 
But then they have a, a four a four game stretch with three of them on the road at Wake Forest, home against NC State, at BC, at Florida State. And I bring Wake Forest in this conversation because Wake Forest could be tricky because the cloth because <laughs> they just because they just can be. They scored it's 41 a, points. They scored 41 points a game last year. And uh, I mean, if if we want to talk about like being tricky, um, it was tricky for a half against Clemson, right? Yeah. Clemson blew them out, but in the second half, but wasn't it wasn't it tricky in the first half, if I recall? Yeah. And I mean, these aren't massive road trips. So I mean, I don't know. I mean, they got to go up to Massachusetts in October. You never know, you know, what you're getting up there. Uh, and then Florida State, like they still have some talent there. Uh, and it's going to be a Doak Campbell. We'll and if Florida State has any type of positive season, that place is going to be rocking, wanting revenge against Clemson. I mean, the ACC, the, the blood is in the water right now in that conference. And people are going to want to – I mean, they, they liked what happened last year. Uh, and they're going to want to do it again. So, I don't know. I don't, even care. I don't know how we're getting – uh, that was the first review. Conspiracies. Uh, one down, two to go. Yep, yep. Here we go. Uh, next one here from Cole one five three six five. Five stars. Most okay ND pod in the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have been listening for a while now, and pretty decent podcast, boys. Love the pettiness when it getting deep in the college football weeds. Uh, for example, immediately dumping on Texas when the quantity of Irish players getting drafted comes up. Great stuff. Uh, my question is for Josh. Why do you love Ohio so much? Mm. I assume born and raised and home is always home, but everyone I've met from Ohio absolutely has absolutely nothing but great things to say. Uh, almost like people from Texas. What is the big secret in Buckeye land getting long winded here, but you guys do ask for earned five stars go Irish PS. Can we get an FCS segment in this two hour fiasco of a show? Go, go Grizz beat Bozeman. Uh, well, I was wow. not born in Ohio. I was born in Fort Wayne. Uh, and moved here on January 1st, 1989. So Fort blame Wayne me all you want is the Toledo of Indiana. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Fort Wayne. It really is. Uh, you know, you, it, the Maumee river, the Erie canal, uh, Wayne trace, uh, it's, it all lines up. Fort Wayne is, is, is really, you're absolutely right. That is the Toledo of Indiana. Um, why do I love Ohio so much, man? Cause I fuck, I'm fucking loyal. I, I'm a loyal person. You can, Ask my friends, ask my wife, <laughs> ask my kids, uh, ask my little league baseball team. I am a fucking loyal person, man. I, I will drop everything and, and fight for whatever I'm loyal to without question. I mean, I'll fight dumb shit anyways. So might as well be something that I love. Uh, I don't know, man. Why is that? Why does anybody love the state they're in? Uh, you know, why? I don't know. Who can say how love works? Uh, <laughs> but I mean, I, I love I love the fact that everybody hates Ohio. Right. Like people, you don't want to shit on Ohio, but yet there's a lot of big cities in the state. There's a lot of farm area in the state. There's a lot of different types of people in the state. It's a lot of shit going on. It, it used to be a swing state. Um, <laughs> 
Uh, not so much anymore. Uh, but I don't know, man. It's it's awesome. Great high school football. Great high school football. Hey, the border towns in the state are just crazy, right? Toledo, uh, Fort Wayne, Cincinnati. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, technically, I mean, I mean, Columbus is kind of a border town. I mean, how far is that from West Virginia? <laughs> I mean, it's about, it's about two and a half hours. Uh, two, two and a half hours, yeah. Is it that far? I'm Well, and then there's like, uh, you know, the... Uh, I mean, the driving sense of eerie, right? Let me just say, well, construction around in and around uh, Columbus is usually horrible. For the last few years, getting to to West Virginia for Columbus is especially horrible. Um, I don't know. I guess it would be about two hours or so. Hey, Dayton's another town, another border town in a way. Uh, so- also, an also, another town with, sh- with just construction everywhere all the time, 30 years straight on 75. So I'm guessing the, the reference was Montana, Montana State, and I'm guessing that the reference was football in terms of FCS. I mean, I was, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so the Montana, Montana State rivalry is called the Brawl of the Wild. It was last year won by the Grizz. And I think it was an upset, if I recall correctly. And uh, Montana State had a better record on paper. But um, here's you know, how I judge Montana, it, Jude. Montana prevailed. Who, ha- who has the better home field collection, Montana mm. or Montana State? That is an excellent, excellent question. That's the that's the way you that's a great way to judge these things. That is a actually super solid way to judge these things. I I mean I definitely lean towards the Grizz on this one. Yeah, I think yeah. it's the Grizz. Uh, I I think I think that collection blows the, Montana the hoodie, out the of the hoodie water. with the the slobbering bear is so sweet. I would definitely buy one of those. Yeah, and you know what? If you've never shopped at uh, Homefield before, if you use the code one foot, <laughs> uh, you can go ahead and save 15% off your first order. Look, we're doing a, I'm doing an ad read in the middle of a review. This is fantastic. Um, uh, another reminder it is back to big new Saturday uh, this week, kicking it off with the hogs, Arkansas guys. I, so I broke a drawer this week uh, in my, in my chest. It, it is the, the main amount of home field shirts. I probably have like what? Thir- I think I counted like 33, 34, somewhere around there, home field t-shirts. All of them are, are very neatly folded and put into this one drawer in this chest. And uh, it, it broke this week. <laughs> I, I pulled it out to get one and it just went. <laughs> so, so I thought I was going to sign up for the, the Big new Saturday, which is 14 uh, weeks. And now I'm giving myself uh, 24 hours uh, to to re-decide that. If you haven't done a big new Saturday, though, I highly recommend you do it. $20. uh, Every Friday, they'll they'll show the the team of the week, the the big new Saturday team, and the, the shirt on Friday. 
$20, shipping. So 25 bucks, get out of your account on Friday. You'll get that shirt on like Monday or Tuesday It is an awesome way to build up a cool t-shirt collection uh, of just, ra- you know, random college stuff. I mean, I, I, I have so much fun wearing the shit I wear. Uh, I wore a, a Texas A&M shirt to work the other day and going home, I wore uh, my Bevo shirt going home. Completely fuck people up. You walk by the same people, they completely have are just lost about what you're doing. I'm sure, uh, especially uh, if they don't. <laughs> I'm sure Brendan's going to judge me for this, but my son, my nine year old son, has declared his Iowa State shirt to be his all time favorite shirt. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Matt Campbell strikes again. Does Does your son also put a uh, weird uh, triangle crease in the brim of his hat? <laughs> uh, <laughs> He has a he uh, has a Texas A and M one and a Missouri one, but his mom steals the Missouri one and it fits her. So uh, apparently, men's small is also uh, my wife's size and a little big for my nine year old. So, but he loves it. He loves how soft the shirts are, and he loves that they're a little bit long because he apparently likes the long shirt. The, he likes the longer style. So, I just put it does. Uh, Fairfield University. Does Fairfield have a football team? I have no idea. Uh, the Stags? Yeah. Oh my God, they do. No, 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 no. That can't be them. It says Jesuits on that jersey. I, I, I can't. I can't find it. Oh, end of an era. Fairfield University's forgotten football program. Yeah, it's, it's over with. Yeah, Don't last season be, was 2002, apparently. Because that collection from home field, it, yeah, this isn't FCS. I'm not sure what they were in. They're pro- it looks like maybe like a division. Well, it says one double A. So they're one double A. Yeah, they they were. So FCS. That was an FCS. Yeah, but All right, so there's your here's some FCS years. context. Yeah. Bring back bring back Fairfield strictly for the fact of what you can do with their uniforms. Mm. Put those stag horns on there. The the five piece collection that Homefield has is just perfect. Absolutely fucking perfect. Uh, if I was a high school uh, sophomore right now, I'd be figuring out a way to go to Fairfield just based off this collection alone. Uh, so <laughs> it's pretty pretty damn amazing. Uh, but yeah, so big news Saturday's coming up. Uh, if you just want to put it in an order for whatever, uh, go ahead. One foot to save you some money. Uh, 14 weeks of, of madness coming up. Hopefully Notre Dame can hold their top five spot. Not sure where they're, I think, I think five or six. I know Cincinnati just edged them out there. And that's it. Uh, back to the reviews. Uh, all right. Uh, next one here from her loyal son. Is this you, Jude? No, I don't. I don't believe so. Okay, so we got a, we got a, we got another her loyal son out there. Uh, says uh, Jimmy Clausen's Martinelli's five star. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, <laughs> it's, it's very very specific. Uh, first off, great show. Second. Have you ever had Martinelli's? That stuff is amazing. If Oregon is using Martinelli's to recruit players, they may never lose a recruit or game ever again. <laughs> Question, mm-hmm. what food or drink 
could ND use to lure recruits to South Bend to compete with this Martinelli's Oregon juggernaut? We're back on apple juice, guys. I don't. And I. I, I don't I think feel, there's anything like that can compete with a five dollar small jug of of, of apple juice. Uh, how about a five dollar uh, large jug of apple cider from Eddie Orchard in the uh, tri-state area, <laughs> Michigan, Indiana, and Ohio? I mean, I would get on board with it, but I'm uh, I'm a I'm a connoisseur of the Honeycrisp uh, apple cider. You know, fucking Kroger's. I just I bought two bags of uh, Honeycrisp apples. I gotta tell you guys this. So I drive I drive a Honda Pilot, right? The fence that I'm getting sued over, I had to had to you know replace and all this shit. So I needed uh, like 68 like linear feet basically of fence, uh, two by fours, four by four posts. Uh, all the fence panelings and all that. Don't have a pickup truck. Didn't have a trailer. Went to Menards. Got all of it to fit inside of my Honda Pilot. All the fencing I needed for uh, for all that. And I picked up like a $400 grocery order from Kroger's. The, the chick at Kroger's was like, what are you building? And I said, oh, I said, this is just all for, you know, a fence. She's like, oh, she's like, it's not for like a boat for <laughs> Because of global warming, <laughs> I was like, no, you know, but uh, beachfront you know, like property in Ohio. But just the fact that I could fit all that into my pilot, I never that that's such a such a dad moment for me. Like, like you can't do you, people are telling me, you can't fit all that. Oh yeah, sure I can. Oh I fucking did. I did. Um, <laughs> but getting back to it, two bags of Honeycrisp apples, rotten, like completely rotten. Like, how the hell do you pack this? <laughs> Did you have the uh, the Tetris music playing as you were as you were carefully uh, placing that L block shaped uh, piece of fence construction? Oh, fencing? Well, it was a, it was just an easy thing to do, right? Like it's just me, so all the seats go down, and so the eight foot. Um, the eight footer, the two by fours and four by fours are all on the passenger side, go up from the front to the back. That's stacked all up on one side and the other side. That's where you're stacking up all your, all your, uh, your, your fence boards. And so it just, it fit in there just perfectly. It, it looked like a, it did look like a giant L, uh, multiple L's with, uh, from Tetris. I'm, I'm proud of shit of myself. I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna lie guys. <laughs> I was told it couldn't be done and I did it. Uh, you showed them. I fucking sure did. I I showed those. Oh shit! It was my wife. It was my, <laughs> it was wife. my wife that kept saying. So, shh. <laughs> so I showed those motherfuckers. Nope, nope. Sorry, honey. Uh, <laughs> food South Bend food that we could use in recruiting. You got any thoughts on that? Like I. I, th- I mean, I really feel like we're just talking like pizza here, right? I don't know. I, I don't think that there's uh, anything I mean, specific to the South Bend area that would give them any sort of inherent advantage. Well, sadly. I mean, it depends. Like if if you're in a sausage, we have I mean, we got the Polos. We got the yeah, Hungarians. But are you out recruiting uh, Wisconsin? 
If sausage, if sausage is your selling point. I mean, you can compete. You can compete with Wisconsin sausage-wise. Oh, boy. South Bend is a very Wisconsin-esque town. I imagine there are good places, but, I mean, this is, this is like, yeah, I I don't know, man. I I don't, I I have a general beef with South Bend anyways. And the, the fact that they have half as many restaurants as Fort Wayne does, I mean, granted South Bend's just a little bit smaller, but how can you have that many less restaurants? I I don't understand that. I mean, yes, the jokes about Fat Wayne are, are legit. But still, like you need more. You need to offer more. Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, I guess, I guess you just would have to use the pizza joints. I mean, we got one to get Rocco Spindler, right? <laughs> so if there's any more groups uh, out there named Rocco. The um, Ilios, Ilios Mediterranean Cuisine closed last year, apparently. That was a... Um, when I came out to visit Tim, he would always take me there. They had this really great uh, paste that made your breath smell terrible, but uh, was super yummy. What's that sushi joint right? Um, was that right down by the comfort? Uh, the comfort and the um, the Marriott. That's yeah, pretty good. I can't remember the name of that place, but I mean. We're selling we're selling sushi to recruits in South Bend, Indiana. <laughs> 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 I, I mean, Wuchi Japanese fusion and bar. I mean, you just I, mean, yeah, I think yeah, that is yeah, that is yeah. that is a good spot. They do a good job. I mean, I guess it really is one bread, one body. I mean. You're just going to have to go full Catholic on it, right? Portillo's? <laughs> Portillo's. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's just... I, I mean, Martinelli's isn't even a fucking Oregon thing thing, right? LaSalle Grill? I looked it up. It's a Northern California thing. Maybe the alum's from Oregon. I don't know. That's a tough one. I I read this uh, yesterday and, w- and was thinking about it. I'm like, man, it just really feels like it's just pizza and sausage. Like, that's it. I mean, it's not bad. It's not a bad thing. But uh, I don't know, Mission Barbecue, if you're an offensive lineman. I don't know. All right. Well, we're going to have to. I'm going to have to fully investigate this even further. So if you are the owner or manager of any restaurant in South Bend area <laughs> and you want me to uh, <laughs> uh, talk about you on the podcast, uh, just hit me up and I'll be I'll be glad to stop on by and sample uh, as much as you are willing to put on a plate. And we'll talk about it. All right, guys, let's move on to some news. Thanks for those reviews. Appreciate it. Everyone, just keep on doing it. Again, steal your wife's phone. That was brilliant. That was perfect. Uh, so the NCAA did, had made a couple of uh, rule changes. Uh, the first one I want to talk about is the getting rid of the 25-man 
uh, recruiting limit, uh, which is in an effort to kind of um, curb the uh, the damage from you know the transfer from the transfer portal. Uh, I kind of feel like who gives a shit? Like, do you know anybody who's just stopping at twenty five? Like, no one is you. There are so many spring. Uh, early enrollees and the way you can do the the math with that, you, it doesn't really, the twenty five limit it hasn't mattered in a long time. Yeah, right. It's just Pretty the eighty five, sure like, yeah. which, is, which isn't changing. The eighty five is not changing. It's still eighty five. Yeah, but the twenty the twenty five mattered if you lost a lot through the transfer portal, right? Because you couldn't gain them back fast enough. That was the well. Idea. There were still no. tricky ways that you could sign more than twenty five. Yes, but always. Yeah. It's bring in rollies. My understanding, I, I don't know. I read an article, I think it was this morning, about basic, about basically how a, a, a lot of teams couldn't get back to 85 if they were constantly being siphoned off transfer portal. So that's gonna, this is gonna take care of that problem. Right. Because I mean, well, no, 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 no. That's what they say, but I don't think that it does because I think p- teams are doing this anyways. Yeah, like like um, Texas A&M had the. They bought 30 players, and I'm not saying they bought 30 players. It's it's Nick Saban. It's Nick Saban who's saying that. Who just came out and said um, uh, Texas A&M bought every player on their team. He Are you going to call Nick Saban a liar, Jimbo? Are you going to call him a liar? And they signed 30 kids last class. So does that mean we're going to see classes of like 35? Is, is, uh, is a new head coach going to come in there and just uh, – just recruit a brand new roster, like forty freshmen. Should be fun. So well, I think that the well, I think that this, they're, you know, the the thing about the twenty five thing is is kind of like doesn't really matter if you're, especially when you're holding on to an eighty five. I think what could make a difference and help out student athletes um, more uh, with this with the transfer portal stuff, and which would also help schools. Is that if you did open it up to, I don't know, 90 or 95 scholarships, that at least has land that provides more landing spots for guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like maybe they get out in the portal and a bunch of destinations they they, they thought they could go to. They're not going to, but they now they need somewhere to go. Like we we keep hearing of this kind of like fear mongering of like these kids are going to have nowhere to go. Well, if you open up the scholarship limit up some you're going to have more schools with more spots. It may not be the school, all the schools they want to go to, but it doesn't mean they don't have an option or a place to land at. Um, So I, I think, I think that would help out more than saying you could do more than 25 recruits. Yeah. At least you're helping out the student athletes uh, in this situation. Instead of the perspectives. Um, I I think that this particular rule change this is one rule change that I think levels the playing field a little bit for Notre Dame for better or worse. They kind of Notre Dame holds true to sort of the rules of the kind of stuff. And just like NIL potentially could help Notre Dame because it allows them to get into the, the um, field that other teams that have skirted the rules um, have lived in. Um, This helps smaller schools and schools like Notre Dame that are actually following the rules and not, you know, doing shitty things like gray shirting kids and, um, you know, kicking kids, 
you know, off their rosters to make room and then can sign these bigger classes um, like a Texas A&M or Georgia signed 30 last year. Um, Texas signed 28. If just looking down the list of, um, you know, teams in the top five. It, it, I think I think by by shining a light and allowing other by just saying there are programs that are already doing this and let's just make this uh, above board. Um, I think that, I think that this is a good thing and that it helps everybody. I, I seem to recall after Charlie Weiss, right. Was it a David Beatty who took over at Kansas? He was, he was grousing about the fact that Charlie had lost so many people because he'd taken so many gambles on Juco stuff. And then he had people that were just disenchanted with the program and he brought in graduate students that it was going to take him years to get back up to 85. I think this would allow guys like that to, um, to pull this, turn this around in one year instead of having to take four years. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, a little bit, I mean, just numbers wise. Sure. But you, um, I mean, I'm still sitting here thinking, how much better it would be if they just up the scholarship limit from 85 to, to nine. Like if you did 10 more spots on a team, you're talking, you know, you're talking what? 1200 more spot. I'm not sure that more. I'm not sure that every team could afford that though. Right. But not every team has to do it either. You've lived the 85 life, right? You don't have to have 95. What I'm saying is that there's, <clears throat> There's well, a chance. Then you're, then you're creating halves. You're opening up landing spots for everybody. Not. Well, I mean, you're just, you're opening up spots for kids to have. The, I mean, the halves are going to have. You would be giving a lot of walk-ons um, the ability to to have a semester or two paid for as well. Well, I mean, maybe. I mean, you wouldn't have to give it to them either. Well, the other um, thing is, if you had 95, then anybody who was sort of marginal could certainly leave, but then they could also stay. And, you know, they wouldn't get run off at all, I guess. Right. Because Notre Dame would be like, I don't whatever. We got 10 slots that we don't do anything with. So. Right. Because I mean, you could you could you could give them to the Austin Webster's of the world. But, you know, you also maybe just let Litchfield Edgebon hang out instead of going to Rice. Right. That's I'm, just, I'm just saying that reference I right there. To me, it feels like. That, I mean, that's 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 a great reference there Jude I just feel like we're doing all this shit happened and no one gave a gave a flying F and just kind of let things run amok and then bitch and piss and whine about it uh, especially you know writers here's the I just think this is a simple way of saying if you're so worried about the players instead of bringing back the goddamn uh, sit out one year. Like they just, they, they're, that's been hammered home uh, a lot over the last few days is, is bringing yeah. that back. Like, no, just add a few more scholarships to each team. So there's more landing spots for players. Cause not every team's going to, going to be able to fill out a 90 to 95 scholarship thing with those type of players. I mean, every team's got a hundred kids, you know, with between scholarships and walk-ons, but you know, maybe, you know, may, you know, like you said, Jude, um, you know, let's feel Javon, you know, uh, he'd stick it out another year, another day, uh, instead of being risking it out there on the transfer portal. That's a long time for him to make a decision. 
but their their big worry is like, oh, so these kids, you may not you may not have somewhere to go. You go in that transport, you may not have somewhere to go. Like, there's a lot of fear mongering going on. Like, all right, well then, if you're so fucking worried about it, then make it easier. But no one wants to make anything easier. They they everyone, <laughs> there's a lot of people right now that want to rein everything back to how it was. And I understand the sentiment because they feel like it's out of control, but you kind of can't do that. <laughs> you kind of can't let, you can't give the freedom and then, and then take it away. That That's a horses that's a, are out of the historically, not a good, horses yeah, are that's, out of that's not a something that's easily done. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I, I I just feel that saying, oh, you can you can sign more than 25 players in a class. I don't know what that does. I, don't, I really don't know what that does uh, for for most of the programs out there. So if you're you, with an 85 man scholarship, so you're just bringing in more high school players that aren't as good as some of the guys in the transfer portal. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, eh, I don't get it. Uh, I do appreciate the fact that there's after what eight months of free for all. So how long we've been? Yeah, about about eight months. Eight, yeah, ten months of free for all. I do appreciate the fact that they're finally people are trying to be adults uh, and fucking figure this out. Um, it, it it really was like a kid with a temper tantrum. Like, all right, go ahead. Go ahead. Have, have, have NIL. Have, no, have, no, no, uh, it, it no. It was not a kid. Just, it was, it was not a kid with a temper tantrum. Uh, the NCAA is your wife, and it said, fine, do whatever you want. <laughs> and you're like, well, that's right, because they're coming back with they're coming back with a list of people that fucked up. That is now, your wife. Do whatever you want. It's the, it's fine. It's, do whatever you want. I don't care. It's like, well. And then you do, and you're in trouble for doing the things that you wanted. Now, the 25 maximums just wait for the next two years, right? That's not a permanent change. Uh, yeah. Well, for now, for now, um, Joshua or Brennan, do you want to take a guess at the number of players who entered their name in the transfer portal in 2021? 7,467. No. I don't know, dude. I'm just making up the biggest number I can just <laughs> tangibly make. One trillion. A billion I, players. I, I'm talking just FBS. I mean, a lot. Hundreds. It was Hundreds a lot. Hundreds okay. upon hundreds. It was so more than last year. 135 teams, right? Or 130 teams, right? Yeah. So if every team had 10, then that feels like it makes sense, right? That's 1,300 right there. The answer is 1,427. That's a big number. It's a big number of people that, that were looking. And and that now, that's what's causing the chaos for roster management, right? Let me ask Jude, though. Is that – are those numbers – all FBS transfer, yeah. like yes, or is that or some of those kids from FBS, FCS put their name in the portal to go? No, that's I don't think FBS. It. That's FBS players putting their name in the portal regardless yeah. of where they end up. Okay, okay, it's a lot. It was it was eight ninety six in twenty twenty. Right, I knew it went up a lot. So then the another announcement was that the NCAA is saying no requirements to dictate how conferences can determine a champion. And then the Pac-12 immediately said, great, we're going to change our format. We're going to change our format so so that the two 
teams with the highest conference winning percentage actually meet in the title game, which is great. Look at the Pac-12 doing things correctly. Look at the Pac-12. The Pac-12 would have had five championship games that would have changed in the last 11 championship games that they've had. Now, quick, do the ACC. Yeah, see, ACC would be the same way. And and you know what? And they did it in 2020 with Notre Dame there. It it doesn't take like a two-year more time. (laughs) Just fucking do it. Just I mean, RIP to the uh, RIP to the coastal <laughs> getting to the, the title. Yeah, you don't need any schedule changes. You just got to say, all right, we're scrapping divisions. The schedules are the schedule. Top two, top two teams go to the championship game. Uh, exactly. What the Pac-12 just said they're doing ACC needs to fucking follow suit like immediately. Well, the I get apparently the ACC is looking to implement it as soon as 2023. And in fact, the AD from Why Syracuse. Wait? Listen to me, and I will. I will tell you. The AD oh, okay. from Syracuse said, <laughs> "We've already released our schedule for 2022, but we could do it for 2023. No reason we couldn't do it in 2023. There's no reason you can't do it this year. You can your schedule's your a schedule. Who cares? Yeah, you can because I think they're looking at a they're looking at a new three three five. Oh yeah, that's true. Right? Because I think the like AC- three opponents is right, permanent but, schedule of partners yeah, and rotating the other ten teams over the next. Over the next two seasons, an eight-game schedule, five one year, five. But they can still have their. Dumb they can division. still do it though. And I mean, my do, God, I, I don't think that the Pac-12 is changing their schedule. That's the point. Is the Pac-12 yeah. is just like, you're yeah, you can change your scheduling philosophy next year, but you could implement the change for your postseason play right away without hey, having change. I'm just telling you what the AD from Syracuse said. I think he's a little bit more tapped in than you and I. But no, yeah. I get why. I no, no, no. I get why. Why he he said that and why that's a thing. I just saying it's fucking stupid. It makes no sense because if you really wanted to, you could just change it. Doesn't matter. And what does the AD of Syracuse have to do with football conference title games? (laughs) (laughs) Right. What does the AD from Syracuse have to like? uh, I don't see Donovan McNabb anywhere. So uh, Donovan McNabb is not walking through that door. Neither is Don McPherson. Don McPherson is not walking through that door. But yeah, eighty-seven Heisman Trophy. I I think that what it really is going to like a conference like the Big Ten certainly could could stand to do it because the East is just so top-heavy, right? With Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State. So we can see uh, Ohio State plays Michigan in the final final game of the season, meeting nothing. They're going to play again the next week, right? Yeah. Yep, yeah. Running back. Well, it could mean one something to one of them because I mean, otherwise you wouldn't be able to to theoretically I mean, play it. I mean, this is Michigan, so I mean, let's not let's not pretend well, it's going to be it's not the two top two anymore, teams, right? They, what is it? Uh, out of the last ten years, they finished third uh, nine of them, or something <laughs> like that. Third so, in the Big Ten East, you mean? Yeah, third in the yeah. Big Ten East. So yeah. the division. Uh, I mean, I I just feel that. That's the that's the way that all the conferences should operate. SEC too. I'm looking at you too, you Southern bastards. Just well, go straight up you, to top do two. It, do you think it's possible that the NCAA is just slowly adopting the Bill Connolly uh, commissioner ideas, just one at a time? You think they got it in a drawer in their desk and Are just like every once in a while, like soon? Are we gonna get pods soon, Jude? Yeah, I mean, I, I, this is not that different from pods, right? I mean, kind of. Enti- I mean, three five is not that entirely different. No, yeah. No, I mean that's ex- essentially it's the same type of concept for sure. 
I just, I mean, here, listen to us Notre Dame fans tell you how to operate your conferences. <laughs> <laughs> but Mama I just don't that. see any reason for divisions, any reason at all. Not when it's your just, conference is more than 12 teams. It once, not once conferences not exceeded 12 suffering. teams. No, I th- like the I Pac-12. The Pac-12 I, I and ACC were, were suffering because of divisions. I feel like divisions were largely an outgrowth of the NCAA saying you had to have divisions. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like the the tail was wagging the dog for too long on that, and now the NCAA is like, "Fuck it, we don't care." And they watched the Big Twelve essentially not do it because the Big Twelve for for the, what the last four years have done top two teams. Yeah. I say, was it really divisions? I, th- I thought it was just number of teams. Like you had to have twelve to have a conference championship game. And then they, and then they relaxed. They changed that. Big Twelve, yeah. Yeah, I just the divisions have, especially the ACC, uh, more so than the Pac-12. The divisions have just absolutely murdered. Oh yeah. That conference in, in the ACC championship game. It has been such a brutal game forever. I mean, and even Notre Dame couldn't help that out by getting blown out by Clemson in that game. But at least there was some pizzazz to it. Uh, God, it's just been so fucking bad. But there's been years where, you know, even, you know, your Clemson or your Florida State, you know, on top of the ACC where you kind of ran through your conference a little bit. But that that second best team in that conference could could still give you a great game. but, But they're in your fucking division. So you don't get another crack at you. I, for that two-year stretch, Florida State and Clemson were both good. Yeah, yeah. I don't mind rematches in conference championship games. That's I have no. You get you would get that a lot of times anyways. I just don't care. I mean, shit, we got it in the national championship game this year. But you don't, you don't want to see a, a an eight and four or a. <laughs> or like a seven and five division winner right. going up against a, 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 a 11 and one or 12 and oh, divi- you know, division winner. Like what's like the point I- in that? Iowa going to the big 10 title game last year. Yeah, that, was, that was brutal. That was brutal. Like Hit against Clemson single, a couple years ago, right? Yeah. Every single, yeah. uh, every single, um, you know, ACC title game. Cause Every member of the Coastal, uh, wasn't it every single year there was a different team? Like Duke seven years straight, yeah. Yeah. It was a beautiful thing. At least they shared. Yeah. <laughs> Sharing is caring as they keep lo- as the Coastal keeps losing. <laughs> uh, I mean, well, Pitt ended that last year, right? Uh, well, they all went. So I guess it had to restart, right? Yeah, that was Pitt's second second time through. So <clears throat> old Pat Narduzzi just pulling tricks out of his sleeve. Guess it's uh, one of the Virginia's years this year. I always get Pat or Miami's. Narduzzi. I always get Pat Narduzzi uh, mixed in my head with Pat Fitzgerald. Uh, they're cut that. from the same cloth. I, that, that's the thing. It, they will uh, yell at you for using a cell phone. They're de- they're they're defensive minded, and I think that I feel like Pat Narduzzi should have said, "My email is hashtag I don't care at <laughs> whatever it was." That was good. That was always a good quote for Pat 
that's Pat Fitzgerald, though. I mean, and, and Pat Narduzzi f- seems like a guy who would be a Pitt alum, too. Yeah. He's not, but, he sh- but he definitely could pull it off. Watch out for that coach. He's a big Narduzzi. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> uh, shoot. Um, all right. So recruiting, gentlemen. Yeah. It, listen, before we move on to that, or, or as we move on to that, there really is no Notre Dame stories out there that aren't like, 93% entwined with recruiting and the massive difference between Marcus Freeman and Brian Kelly and what Notre Dame is doing on the trail right now. Like everything oh. comes around to that. And a lot of it has to do because of the way Marcus Freeman is. Everything's about recruiting. So every story is, I kind of, I'm kind of bored right now. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I, as exciting you, as all this is, it's still kind of boring because there's just, that is the story. Did you read Ari's article on the athletic today? You know, he puts out his recruiting and, and it's nice to like, I, I enjoy Ari Wasserman's uh, articles because it lets me know what, like ev- who everybody's signing, uh, which is, it's always good just to kind of keep up on that because, you know, I'm so locked in on Notre Dame and that just the guys at the top, I don't really pay attention to sort of, you know, the uh, ancillary guys that, that get out there, but the, Who's the Kansas promise- getting? Right, right, right. Um, but the the title is he goes Brian Kelly goes national uh, was the the headline of his his article and it it made me chortle at the fact that as Notre Dame's getting all this press like you know they could go wire to wire number one from you know Whitfong at twenty four seven he goes Brian Kelly led the he opens the article with Brian Kelly led Notre Dame to the college football playoff. Twice doing so at a place that has an inherent challenges on the recruiting front. Hey Ari, um, inherent challenges, huh? <laughs> I I mean I'm not sure. Maybe the previous regime found Notre Dame to be inherent challenges to recruit, but uh, do you think Marcus Freeman finds there being challenges to recruit at this time? Well, here's the difference: finding a challenge. And overcoming a challenge is one thing. Uh, finding an excuse and using an excuse Bingo. is another. Yes. Like there's advantages to Notre Dame for recruiting. And I don't think that it was being fully utilized by the previous coaching staff and, and regime. And Marcus is taking those same sort of quote unquote challenges and turning them into like a benefit. Right. Brennan, do, you mean, mean, do you mean, do you mean, uh, uh, advantages like um, like actually being on campus when a top recruit visits, uh, or the advantage, no. or the advantage of having uh, the advanced technology of a phone to call a recruit uh, to talk to them. Well, you know, when you have a, a one p.m. tea time, right, and it'll probably run till three, and you want to, a lot of those kids want to be called after school because they got homework and stuff. It just, it just gets in the way, man. Yeah, they should just come here. Just trust me. My dad was my dad I'm was a closer. politician. Trust me. I'm a closer. I'm a closer. I shouldn't have to sell Notre Dame. Notre Dame should just sell itself. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so I put up the story last night. Um, and it was, uh, it, I mean, all the stuff's everywhere. About June is lining up to be just a 
a huge month for Notre Dame with official visits. Uh, one of the, the one of the last guys that uh, that we heard of signing on is a name that kind of came out of nowhere as five star running back Richard Young. He was I mean, not Notre Dame. Notre Dame wasn't in his top seven, right? He wasn't in the top seven. It is if you would have asked me to name thirty running backs that Notre Dame could sign this year. Just the other day, before he dropped that, I wouldn't have mentioned his name at all because it's just so far out of it. But you went from not being in his top seven to getting one of the five official visits that you're allowed. That's a huge jump. It's yep. a huge jump. So, and I don't care what anyone says. If if the guy's uncommitted and he's taking an official visit to you, they got you got a chance. I mean, he'll right? go to Alabama, right? I, he's going to go to Alabama, but I, I think that the bigger thing. I love for the it, effort. Exactly. I love the effort. And think about like everybody on the internet, recruiting internets, and just the buzz around it is there's a five-star, the the best running back in America is coming to Notre Dame for an official visit. Like right. publicity alone. For it. And Brian Kelly wouldn't have kicked those tires. He just would have been yeah. like, well, he's going to Alabama. And it's important. It's important it to have that publicity of for, for elite players, your visits. Cause like, and I put this in the story, like you look at these guys, where they're going, you know, Caleb Downs, where's his official visits to, they're going to be to Georgia, Bama, Ohio state, you know, where are Richard Young's official visits to Bama, Georgia, Ohio state, Oklahoma. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's the same schools. So if you're going to be, if you want to be putting yourself in the elite, the elite class, you need to be one of those elite schools that gets those official visits from elite football players. And whether you get them or not, I mean, you got to start, you got to start somewhere and you got to keep reeling these guys in. And in in June, Notre Dame has a fair handful. I mean, we got, you know, Samuel Pemba, Richard Young, uh, Keon Keeley, who's already committed, Caleb Downs. Um, and then uh, the, the creme de la creme, if you will, um, is Dante Moore, which isn't official. But Peep Samson made it sound pretty damn close to being official on the uh, Irish Illustrated podcast um, for the uh, like the weekend of the 17th. Yeah. Um, so there's I mean, to, for guys to know that and that's not just important for the five stars for these other like, you know, high four star kids. Like, hey, where's the talent going? Where's where's the team on the rise? If these guys are taking a visit here. Okay, you know that helps you move along your decision. Everything matters in recruiting. Yeah, you, know, and, you don't believe well, me? Go ask Marcus Freeman. He'll tell you. Right, and I think another thing too, in terms of that, is um, a lot of times, you know, they would just punt on a kid because they're like, well, we don't have a chance. But Marcus is sending all of his coaches to all of these high schools. And even if they don't have a chance at it, like maybe not even a chance, but even if it's like a puncher's chance, they're still going out to these high schools and making relationships and p- making inroads in with these these various programs. The sophomore seat showing up. Exactly. You might not get five, you know, Johnny five star this year, but you're on you're at that school talking to the coach, meeting the players there. And then maybe that sophomore for Jimmy five star. For Jimmy Five Star, who's going to come up yeah. in a few years, and I think that that is an underrated um, aspect of the the recruiting process and the change in recruiting agree more. philosophy. 
Could not agree more. It is recruiting at its very core has been the same for ever. And it is relationships, relationships, relationships. Pipelines become pipelines, not because of just geography, but relationships. And more so now than ever before. A lot of it used to be geographically based, but now it is this coach knows this coach. And because of all the movement and all and the E and the ease of travel now, it is all about relationships. So you are absolutely right, Brendan. Uh, it is important for for the freshmen and sophomores to see the coaches coming in, recruiting the, these juniors and seniors, and starting early to know who they are, what they're about. It's ridiculously important because so many of these elite players come each year come from the same schools, right? Right. Like I mean, obviously the, the not every year, but a lot of these schools are pumping out top, you know, good talent year in, year out, uh, or every other year, which is that's what makes them the best. Still, fit, still fits it, yeah, still fits the narrative. So, yeah, it is that is, you're right. That is an underrated aspect of all of this, um, and one that you know, as long as we're finding success in the field, and Freeman does the job with the wins and losses. You you add that to this recruiting effort, we're setting ourselves up for a six seven year run of holy shit. You know what yeah. I mean? Another uh, another note. It, it was a it was a nugget that I caught. I think it was uh, I think I got it from on three. But um, they're breaking down where each of the coaches were for their uh, uh, recruiting visits, and. We kind of had some, um, and I know you did, Josh. You had some some apprehension, like you lose Polian, are you going to lose the Hawaii pipeline? Well, guess where Brian Mason has been spending the last few weeks? <laughs> He's been in Hawaii. So th- th- that's, I mean, that is something that Notre Dame they had that pipeline in there, and they have not, Marcus Freeman has not forgotten it, and he has had the special. So on the job posting. Again. For special teams coach at Notre Dame, uh, the part of what we expect from you is we expect you to go to Hawaii uh, <laughs> in the spring where the weather is sort of shitty in the Midwest. Do you want to spend it in paradise? <laughs> we expect you to go to Hawaii and get us a uh, get us a couple poly kids. Uh, they're gonna light it up. That's not a, that's not a bad. Have, uh, go ahead, dude. I just have one question: Are we more likely to get a a kid from Cast Tech or a kid from Fresno first? Ooh. <laughs> uh, well, at least, well, which one? Cast. Cast yeah. Tech without. So, if if Freeman gets a cat or gets a uh, Fresno kid, does that cement him as the greatest recruiter um, of Notre Dame? No, hold on, hold on. We got a Fresno kid. Who? T. Shepard. Come on, yeah, in roll like a cup of coffee. You, you also got a cast tech kid. Do you remember the cast tech kid? He decommitted, so it's kind oh, of a of tricky question. They always right. boss. Shepard was enrolled. Yeah, enrolled. Who's the who's the uh, who's the cast? Well, he was enrolled in classes. Was, I, don't uh, know. I think his name was Kalen Gervin. Oh, right. Gervin, yeah, it was Gervin. He ended up at Michigan State. Yeah, you did it at Michigan State. He's pretty good. How about uh, how about Gina Percera? Do we uh, have we ever gotten anybody out of Gina Percera, or do they just all go to USC? Oh, they all go to USC. Yeah. Yeah, that's not a Notre Dame school, no. But are we are we currently recruiting a kid from there? Oh, the the whiteout. 
Yeah. I thought I saw uh, I thought I saw a, a juniper. Junipero. Junipero? Junip- a Sarakin. San Junipero. I only know it because of the, the hit show Black Mirror. I, I feel like Greg is screaming at me right now. <laughs> uh, I'd have to check on that one. Okay. This It's not a – I mean, even in California, Notre Dame has like five schools that they concentrate on, um, which is fine. Jason Mitchell apparently is the name. I don't know if that means anything to you. Uh-uh. No, not really. Not right now, anyways. Not in the 2023 no, class. They don't have anybody. Yeah. The coup would be for the... Is it, is it a 24 kid? I mean... Here's yeah, the he's diff- a 24 kid. Yep, 24 yep. kid. Yeah. Dakota Fields, cornerback. You guys want to know the difference between Junipero. Brian Kelly and Marcus Freeman in a different way? Well, one is white and one is black. I don't know um, if you know that. Yeah, uh, well, that we one wears just, purple pants, a, one wears 100. purple jackets. Yeah. One has many children, one has amount of, Listen, the amount of offers out to California. Yeah. Right now, Notre Dame only has, for the 2023 class, there are only nine offers to California players. That is extremely low for what they normally... It's, it's normally in the 20s. It's normally probably the biggest offered state each year. Um, they're back on Florida right now. I mean, Florida, Texas, um, I'm not sure where we're at here, but Florida, Texas, uh, Georgia, and then California. I mean, Florida and Texas both have 26 offers each, but California only sitting at nine. That is, that is a that story is a that's not being told. Like that's a big What's the hit rate? The big difference, right? I, I guess that would be my question: is like, what's the hit rate on California? Well, right. Well, right now we got we got one in the class, and uh, Cooper Flanagan. From I mean, that's a De La Salle kid. So, in twenty twenty, they uh, they offered fourteen, and they got one. Ramon Henderson. That was it. So right now we're looking at, you know, so we got Flanagan, and we're. Sitting pretty good for Rico Flores, four star four star wide receiver from Folsom. So two out of nine, that's a that's a that's they a offered, <laughs> in, in 2019 they offered thirty-three kids from the state of California. How many did we get? Two. Isaiah Rutherford it's, and Isaiah Vosky. Thirty-three. One panned out out of thirty-three offers. Listen, it is what I've been saying for years. California is the is just a giant waste of resources. Notre Dame pumps yeah. it like the the whole plan about ending, ending the, season. the season out there and using recruiting as part of it is a fucking joke. End the season it's, in Hawaii, <laughs> might as well. But I mean, end the season in, in South Bend. In South Bend, if you're eleven and zero, would you rather be taking another road trip to California or hanging out at home? to get that last one to be undefeated. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I don't, it, it seems like there's a huge, there's nine offers is a huge, huge swing. That's, that's as big as a difference as when Kelly decided to stop recruiting Florida because he got his feelings hurt. Cause, <laughs> cause he couldn't do things right down there. 
So, so you're you're advocating for stop recruiting California and tell USC that the fi- that I, they need to join the rest of college football and play your biggest uh, rival game, the final game of the season. And make- what I'm saying is, is that I think this nine offers to California seems right to me. Like this, this seems to be the right level. Like you, like you only. You know, you only have so much pie. Twenty six right? to Florida, twenty six to Texas. Yeah, that, that's this seems right. That pie, the pie this time around, seems to, in my eyes, seems like it's in a in a better it's a better way right now. Now, every year it's different, right? Talent changes each year, where they're at and all that. But for the most part, your your top eight states are your top eight states, and how, so how you divvy those scholarships out. Depends on you know how good the players are, where they're at. But I think constantly sending, you know, trying to recruit these kids from California, if you're not sending your assistants out all, all the time, you're killing them, right? Like you're not doing anything. So it's a little easy. It's a little easier to to shoot down to Georgia than it is out to. It's an hour and a half flight to Long Beach. Yeah. Where you're gonna put up a. I don't know. It just, it, to me, the, the nuances of recruiting are only getting more and more, more and more important. Like how you, how you do things, especially with Marcus Freeman, when it's all recruiting all the time, it's not like you're just like going full bore dick out in the wind. You know, you're going full bore with a plan. So this feels like a, like, like there's a plan in place. So I'm happy with that. Let's just say and it's, it's, and for, for what it's worth, plan seems to be working. It does seem to be working. It does seem to be working. Number one recruiting class in the country right now with a legit chance to uh, to finish that way or around there. Part, around there. Yeah. This is like uh, there hasn't been this kind of recruiting momentum since what? Eight? Probably. And that was such a – it was such a strange way for Notre Dame in 08. You know, you come off that 07 season, how terrible it was. Um, you know, you get another five-star quarterback, you know, one year after you got Clawson uh, with Dan Christ. And I mean, reality, it was the number one class, right? Alabama yeah. had, what, two or three kids that didn't even, that didn't even qualify uh, for college. So, so technically, Notre Dame had the number one class in 08. So, but it was just, you go back and look at that 08 class and I know we've done it before on this, on this. I mean, there was bangers, Floyd, Rudolph, right? (laughs) There's, there's a whole lot of misses there too. Right. I mean, not, not as, not as bad as 06's class, uh, which was a, we thought was a massive win for Notre Dame in a top 10 class, 26, 27 players. 08 was like your favorite artist putting out a double album and he's got like, really six solid songs there, but he, he gave you 18. <laughs> I will not, I will not take this, this white album slander. On the <laughs> well, listen, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and uh, let's list off this 08 class. Um, yeah, those were offers. Shit. Uh, yeah. I got to pull it. I got it. I got it. Um, all magic here on this show. This and then just radio. from me and Jude, Jude, uh, boom or bust, I guess on each name there. Yeah. Uh, 
start at the top or start at the top at the very highest ranked recruit in her name has working down. Boomer bust. Michael Floyd. Boom. Boom. Dan Christ. Bust. Yeah, there's a bust. I, I I guess I'll just wait until I disagree with Brendan because I think I'll probably agree with most of them. Okay. Kyle Rudolph. Boom. Boom. Ethan Johnson. Uh, oh, boom. Uh, boom. Yeah. Yeah, boom. That's a lot of production. A lot of starts. Yeah. A lot, a lot of a lot of snaps. Darius Fleming. Boom. Boom. Yeah. Trevor Robinson. Three-year starter. Uh, boom. Started as a freshman. Yeah. Four-year starter. It was a hit. Yeah, boom. So we'll say boom. We'll say boom. Uh, Steve Filer. Bust. Bust. Deion Walker. Bust. Bust. Jonas Gray. Boom. Boom. Ah, what a senior season he would have had. What a senior season he would have had. Yeah. Uh, Jamar Slaughter. Boom. Boom. Braxton Cave. Boom. Boom. Dan McCarthy. Oh, boom! Just because he's been a, he's been a huge hit in his post uh, college <laughs> career. I mean, Athletes First is a is a legit organization. So yeah, I'll take that. And he started season at least uh, two seasons. We're thinking of a different McCarthy. I can't, the other McCarthy. I, think I, I can't believe I have such a. <laughs> I can't believe I have such a disdain for a for a Irish Catholic family from Youngstown, Ohio. <laughs> and yet Sergio Brown is my boy. Um, Sean Swinar. Uh bust. Ugh, bust. See, like, boom. It's a four star. Sean Swinar played a lot of football for Notre Dame. I mean, if you're gonna go boom with Darius Fleming. I'm gonna go boom with. Sean uh, yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. I'm sorry. What did what did Joseph. Sean Spinar do in the NFL? Well, just from their name. I, I'm not worried about the NFL. See, I think I think we're gonna hit more booms than you think, Josh. Yeah. Joseph Fourier. Well, I mean, boom for somebody else, but yeah, that's a bust, right? That's a that's bust. If it ain't a boom yeah, for bust. you, it's a bust. NC now. Anthony McDonald. Bust. Yeah. Lane Lane Cleland. Um yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Bust. John Goodman. Michigan State, 2012. Never forget it. <laughs> you can't go off of one. Fair catch Goodman? Fair catch Goodman? Uh, uh, uh Bust. Bust. Bust, yeah. Bobby Blanton. Uh boom. Robert Blanton? Yeah. Brandon boom. Newman. Bust. Bust. Cap. Old man cap. Oh, of boom. course, boom. Hafiz. Uh, bust. Yeah. Junior. Junior Jabby? Bust. No, uh, Mike Golick Jr. No. Oh. Mike Golick Jr. Is a oh. three star? Um, <sighs> he was not very good. He started. Good. No, he, he was good. Start, though. But he was he not. Really he was good. a three star player that, play, that, be, that, that stayed a three star player at Notre Dame. He, yes, yeah. that is correct. Right? Yep. Yeah. Bust. Unlike David Puzlesny. <laughs> Bust. 
Yeah, that's pretty good. It's not bad. It's not bad. I mean, some of the some of the some of the booms were a little. I think we just like they, they were, were like flying. they were sparklers, not fireworks. Yeah. Right? But I mean, like, like how many how many of these guys were NFL starters? You know, Floyd, Floyd, Rudolph, Rudolph, Fleming Jonas was a starter. Yeah. I think John. I think Ethan Johnson Jonas started. Gray started a football game for the yeah. Patriots. He did, and he was on he the cover of Sports Illustrated. Uh, Braxton Cage was yeah. starter. <laughs> Yep. And then he what, he got benched the next week, didn't he? Because he yeah, showed he up his alarm. Late. Yeah. Late. He got cut, I think, too. Yeah. Uh, Braxton Cave, he's a good good NFL career. I think Anthony McDonald played in Europe. There you go. Robert <laughs> Blanton. Hey. Robert Blanton had a pretty good. Robert career, Blanton right? was solid. Yeah. 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 Blanton just will will get love from like old Notre Dame fans. Forever, just because he never wore a pair of gloves or a piece of tape. Somehow, that's like the most. That's important. <laughs> yeah, but his kit with the way that he had his helmet was on point with that like high shoulder pads, low helmet. Loved it. I mean, I loved him. He was a tough. He's a, a tough kid. No, oh, all right. Well, let's move on. So let's uh, what what we're here for tonight, really after this hour and twenty minute <laughs> prelude, uh, yeah, is, is to talk you, about Brian Kelly's compensation from twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty one. No, okay, never mind. Talk. I mean, do the assistant coach. Do you want to talk about assistant coaches because they were yeah. paying? Yeah, we finally got we got the ultimate clarity about how much Clark Lee got compensated. I thought that was pretty interesting. Bring it up, lay it out, lay it out. Okay, let me pull up the numbers real quick. So the thing I remember is that Brian Kelly made on paper $3.3 million, right? Of which like right. 1.3 was base compensation. And then he got this uh, non-qualified deferred compensation arrangement, which he rec- received an accrued benefit of $1 million. So it's vested for three years. Um, there's the huge caveat that says, that they made payments to an LLC that it was owned by him, that they don't have to report. He's obviously always allowed to receive outside compensation from other groups that are not reportable. So, I mean, yeah, anyone who was like, this guy was making way more than a million, $2 million is absolutely right. I've never, I've never debated that. The question is whether that number was 6 million, 7 million or 10 million. Right. And so that, that is still not known, but, you know, reason reasonable people can assume that that number was probably twice what it was on the actual piece of paper, right? Yeah, it was probably seven, seven, eight mil. Right. So let's talk. So what else did we learn? Mike Bray got two point five million, of which one point one six was based. Swarbrick gets one point seven four million, but then showing up in the list is Clark Lee, who gets one point five million, of which one point basically oh, just shy of one point two million was base salary. So everybody good. was like, yeah, absolutely. That's great. Um, because everyone was like, oh, Notre Dame wouldn't pony up for its defensive coordinator. Like, that was, to me, that was definitive. You know? They're base, willing to. Because that's the thing is those base salaries are, if, uh, if, you, if you have a base salary of 1.2, um, that doesn't include the Under Armour money, right? Correct. And that doesn't include all of the other various uh, institutions and uh, uh, sponsors for the university and the athletic department. 
Yeah, anything that the university is not a party to that obviously would not be reported on this. So we're talking basically his pay and his benefits. And that's in line with what good coordinators make in college football. That is that is not lowballing a guy. That is that is in line with what the the top teams are paying their coordinators and, before. And honestly, up. I think the only other guy who's ever shown up in the top ten in compensation was Brian Van Gorder, and I think he was right around a million, if I recall correctly. So, can you think of a worse way to spend a million dollars? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I can think of a few. I mean, the guy who uh, bought Tom Brady's last touchdown pass only find that Tom Brady unretired the next day. I mean, uh, I, I, he got his money back on that. He got his money back. I don't think no, so he got his money back, money though. Back yeah. for 2000. <laughs> we, did, we did not get our money back on uh, Brian Van Gorder. In fact, they continue to compensate him to go away. So, but we did get money, though. You know, yeah, Gummy's good. That's yeah, good. he's good. People. Almost so. got a national award out of that, too. The, the Holder Award. That's right. You got robbed. You got robbed. Yeah, so, you can't have yeah, any, any money slander on this podcast. I just wanted to slip that in. This was the first year that nobody tweeted at me saying, I can't believe Jenkins makes $1.2 million. What happened to evolve poverty? Maybe the maybe me putting paid to CSC actually uh, put those questions to bed, but I usually I typically get those. Um Anytime a priest shows up well, in the top ten most paid people, unsurprisingly, yeah, he, the chief the chief investment officer and his mid year replacement were the two out of the top three most compensated <laughs> people. What's so, funny is is when I first looked at those numbers, Jude. Yeah, I was like, I was like, Mal Paskic's more than that. What the? Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah, right. Mal Pass would have easily like, been a seven if he stayed the whole year. So. <laughs> Yeah, good times. <laughs> well, All right. Well, I just want to slip that in before we got into our more serious uh, discussion here. Significantly more serious. Yeah. Hey, there's nothing. There's nothing more serious than uh, talking about money that we will never see. So. <laughs> well, I mean, the other thing too is um, 2020. Like, so the end of 2020, beginning of 2021 would have been Neil Ivy's first year, right? And she's not on this list which means that she would have made less than $750,000, which, I mean, it is what it is, right? But Well, first-year first year coach, too, though. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what, what was Muffet making? I think Muffet, by you? the end, was like 1.5 or – Yeah. Uh, I'd have to look it up again. And you're not going to pay Niall the same as Muffet? No, no, you're not. So – Oh, no, no, Muffet was Muffet was two point three million at the end. Yeah, I thought it was. I <laughs> knew it was around good. two. Yeah. Yeah. I do want. I do want to. Now that we're bringing up women's basketball, though, I do. I do want to mention something that that didn't sit right with me this weekend. Okay. As everyone's grad, as everyone's graduating, old players coming back, getting their degrees and all that stuff. Something that was pretty. I don't know. Pretty fucking noticeable was the lack of recognition by the women's basketball team to the Notre Dame graduates that are transferring out of Notre Dame. Graduates. What the fuck is up with that? Like Sam Brunell. Like, uh, I, I mean, it just, it didn't make, it didn't make any sense to me other than was there really bad blood? And even then, what, 
this is Notre Dame. You ask these kids to come here, play a sport, get a degree. They did that. The proper thing to do is to acknowledge them and to celebrate that they did that as they move on to whatever they're doing. And just so happens that these girls are transferring out, but it, it you know, you know, that doesn't happen in the football program. It didn't happen in the basketball program. These guys are, these people are recognized. Where, where the hell is this pettiness coming from? Because I thought maybe it was just a overlook, but there's a, one of the recruits or one of the uh, accounts on Twitter that I file, follow a Notre Dame basketball recruiting account. Just an anonymous guy. I, I tried to hire him for the site and he's unhirable, uh, uh, but pretty knowledgeable when it comes to basketball recruiting and, and the programs. And he's like, Hey, she does. Sam Brunel deserves some recognition, even if, you know, Notre Dame's not going to do it, blah, blah, blah. And she retweeted that and, and tweeted at him, you know, hey, you know, thank you, blah, blah, blah. What the fuck? Yeah, I've got no response. I mean, I've got, I 100% agree. Look, it's the easiest thing in the world. It's the easiest content in the world to, to celebrate the seniors. And to be honest with you, this, that sort of thing is exactly like, um, the time Muffet got in hot water because she wouldn't recognize Jewel Lloyd because she wasn't an alum, you know? And it's just like, we don't need to be that level of petty, right? Just celebrate women. No, there's celebrate your people. I mean, celebrate just, your people. Yeah. I, I am all about being petty and y'all know that about <laughs> me. <laughs> what? But this is a, this is a different level. This is a, this is a, this is a mean pettiness towards people that you've loved, which is just gross. Yeah. And so I don't know whoever's decision that was, uh, to, to just go ahead and pretend the, that, that these girls, Abby, you know, Abby Prasca was another one. I think that they, um, didn't say anything about, I think maybe later in the day when they figured out, kind of saw some of the heat they were getting, but I mean, it's just, it's what the fuck are we doing here? The whole point is to get these kids to come to Notre Dame to play their sport and for them to leave with a degree in hand. They're fucking doing it. They did what you told them to do. And you're going to, I mean, come on. I mean, I saw, I mean, Lawrence keys was in the graduating photo. Yeah. He quit. He quit the season. Come on. I just, it doesn't make any sense. That the the the, bas- the women's basketball program would would do something like that. So I wanted to make sure that I pointed that out. All right, <clears throat> back to the football program, and you all do it. You sit around with your friends. You you we do it on the podcast. You end up having that's my boy. It's the it's the it's the player that you single out that you will hype up, that you will defend, that you will back. It's, you know, it, it's Greg and Kyle. All right. It's me and Sergio Brown. Uh, it's <laughs> uh, me and Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. There's just, there are, there are just players like that's my boy. And so I, th- I thought it would be, it'd be smart if we got this out of the way, uh, you know, as, as we creep into the summer, for you guys to know who our boys are. And I had originally wanted 
a draft of 10 players each. That way we kind of had some in our back pocket. You know, you, you never know what, what, uh, what sophomore that's done. Nothing all of a sudden gets a 75 yard fumble return for touchdown. And then you could be screaming. That's my boy, but we're going to go with five tonight. And so we're, we're picking our boys. That's your boy. And in fairness, I'm going to flip this, uh, this chewing tobacco lid between Jude and I'm going to go last. Uh, so this is between Jude and uh, Brendan who picks first. Uh, you get the bottom side, Brendan for B Jude, you get the horns uh, of the, of the longhorn here. And uh, let's see here. We got Jude, you will go for, so it'll be Jude, Brendan, and then me. And this is a, a five-person draft or five-player draft uh, for our boys this season. Okay. So, Jude, let's hear it. My uh, my first pick is Cam Hart. Cam Hart is absolutely my boy. Um, yeah. I was uh, talking him up actually in the DMs today about you know if yeah, you every year there's a there's an exercise to rank the uh, you know the top 25 players um, coming into the season. You know, look. I think Michael Mayer is going to get a lot of votes at the top and, and rightfully so. And there's a whole bunch of people that are going to line up behind him, but Cam Hart deserves some love in that top sort of five, six area. And, uh, Cam Hart is absolutely my boy. I'm very excited about the season he's going to have coming forth. And I'm really hoping that they give him a lot of help and a lot of love because he's going to need it. That's an excellent choice. It is an excellent choice to pick somebody. Um, my my boy, unsurprising, is going to be Brain Lindsay. Uh, we're both locked into <laughs> we're both locked in the spy family. Uh, uh, Tomodachi game. Um, you know the, the the latest on the old crunchy rolls uh, that simulcast. Um, I think Brayden Lindsay is – he's going to be an integral part of this football team for them to have success in the fall because the wide receiver room is so light, right? Um, and I just think that it's it's finally time if he's healthy. Um, the light's got to go on, and every time Brayden Lindsay catches a pass, uh, I will unequivocally be like, that's my boy. As it, as it should be. All right. Uh, with my first selection, uh, which will come as probably little shock uh, to anyone out there, but uh, Audrey Gestime. Look, Logan Diggs <clears throat> may not be ready to start the season. Shoulder injuries are no joke. Uh, it's going to take a while. Estime is a guy that they've already – you know they they've already kind of pointed at as a as a guy they're going to be leaning on, and from fucking day one, I have been behind this monster from New Jersey. Yes. Uh, to go as far as say, as soon as he committed, I was like, you know what, <clears throat> getting him and Diggs is better than getting Shipley. This is a good thing. I've made that statement. I've stand. I've stood by that ever since then. I've been laughed at, uh, and I I still I still see no fault in it at all. Uh, but Audrey Kestime is a fucking monster. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, they're, they're going to use a lot of him this year. And that is, uh, is my boy. And look, 
he's gonna truck he's gonna truck some poor souls. There are gonna be some some souls departing this earth uh, on some of these runs, and I am here for it. Uh, my second pick is got to get it in before Joshua steals it from me. Hashtag Ohio forever. Lorenzo styles. Oh, um, I am very hyped oh. about this wide receiver pick. Uh, w- loved watching his little, I uh, was in person for his, what I would consider to be his breakout game against USC last year. And, uh, really think that he can do things in space that, uh, I'm m- m- much looking forward to. Um, and I'd love to see him do it to, uh, to Ohio state because, uh, Ohio state receivers get a lot of love, but, um, I think there's some guys who can make some plays on our side of the ball. So Lorenzo Styles is my boy. Does you guys does Styles remind you a little bit of like a just a a smaller, not a lot, but a a little bit smaller version of Michael Floyd? I absolutely, absolutely. Like the thing that I used to love with Michael Floyd was they run that tunnel screen. I just want to see Lorenzo Styles in space all the time. I want to see him. One on one against a guy, and that guy I know is that guy's going to miss. Yeah, because I mean, much like Floyd, but not nearly as uh, noticeable as Styles has a has kind of a an odd hitch to his running. Yeah, gait. That gait. Yeah. 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 It 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 struck me last year a couple times, and and it kind of just put it in the back of my mind. But now that we're, he's really getting put out to the forefront, I just think a lot of his game. Uh, probably not the blocking as much. Michael Floyd was an excellent uh, downfield blocker a fourth in the running and game. Fifth but. year though, too, or fourth year. Or true, third, no, fourth true, year. true, 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 very true. I just think there's a there's a lot of style. There's a lot of Floyd style. in styles. So one thing too, like yeah, where one yard sir, all of a sudden becomes three because of that hitch. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm gonna go offense heavy because I kind of have to. Um. The man who has beholden me to uh, eating a hat at some point, yeah. uh, Chris Tyree, uh, running back room is wide open. Uh, he had kind of a breakout game, at least receiving, uh, against Oklahoma State. Um, he's going to be fully healthy. He had a turf toe last year. Um, everybody who knows anything about turf toes knows that that's pretty much a death knell to your ability to have a productive season. I mean, that, that's your Jimmy Clausen. Well, I mean, Jimmy Clausen. If if he were if he were a stock, you warrior, warrior, let, Jimmy. If Clausen. Jimmy Clausen didn't have a turf toe, he could have won a Heisman. If Chris Tyree were a stock, you'd say he's undervalued, and I like the stock. He is undervalued, and I'm gonna do the the Jim Cramer hit the the stupid button. Bye bye bye. And like, with Tyree, there's so much special teams value, like real special teams value, right? Because they're gonna be aggressive. Mason's already said that, I mean, Mason at Cincinnati was aggressive. So they're going to be aggressive in their return game for Tyree. And he flashed against Wisconsin, right? In a Gus Johnson call. So, uh, that's call of the year. Yeah. I, I would, I would make some arguments for, um, Iron Williams against UNC, but, um, okay. best call, best call of the year. Uh, but yeah, not, give the, me, best, not the best play of the year. Best call of the year. Give me, give me Chris Tyree uh, as my second pick. That's my boy. My uh, boy. I like fighters. 
just gonna write Pope Power. Like true true warriors. <laughs> uh, and I'm gonna take General Mills. Oh no, no. that's gonna be my next one. I was <laughs> damn it. You can't hold on uh, for too long. Thinking, I like I think the upside for Mills, I mean I was sold on him last year. Yeah. Like I, I really thought last year was gonna be a breakout year. This is the year. And, I'm, and look, he's only a junior. So it's not like it was a bust year. This he's gonna dude, he is gonna be a fucking monster on the defensive line. Uh, I love him. I love I love the nickname. I love the portrait. I love everything about General Mills. I love the fact that his entire family, mom, father, cousins, every single one of them uh, liked and appreciated Brendan's uh, General Mills portrait of him. They're they're sold. I'm sold. He's my boy. So I, I, I remember writing up um, a, a, a profile on, on Ade Ogadeji when he first committed and just sort of like falling in love with him and not really knowing why. And then just watching him turn into this explosive edge rusher and just dominating people. And I felt, I think I feel the same exact way about Isaiah Foskey. It's just been such a pleasure to watch him grow and become so dominant uh, sporting that number seven out there reminded me of uh, Stefan to it. And uh, I, I uh, have not actually gotten people to uh, do the hashtag Foskey fam, but uh, I am definitely the, the leader of the Foskey fan posse. And uh, Isaiah Foskey continues to be one of my boys. In any game, if you ask Jude who the defensive MVP will be, there is an 80% chance that he would pick. <laughs> I say Fosky. I mean, Fosky. we have the receipt for that as well. It's clear. It's clearly. <laughs> so he, he's been your boy for for all this time, Jude. Yeah, Anyways. and I'm not I'm not giving him up. So Now he's no longer a bastard. You, you're officially recognizing him. Yes. Okay. So, um, I mean, the – for me, I, I think what I'm going to do is um, I'm going to pick Ramon Henderson. Ooh. I'm going to tie my card for Ramon Henderson. And here's here's why. I like this. And here's why. I think Brandon Joseph's going to be very good. I think that he's going to be a good sort of ball hawking safety. Um, but I think that that's going to open up a lot of opportunities for Ramon Henderson to um, make his kind of mark. Because not, not he's like Griffith. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to do the Greg where I have to say nice things on a podcast about a guy. You can just uh, move on. <laughs> we'll just move on. I think that um, teams are going to recognize early on. I think in the early part of the season, Brandon Joseph, he's kind of a ball hawk. And I think that Ramon Henderson on the backside of the schedule is going to make a lot of hay. And I just want to be on board to say, hey, that's my boy. I called it. I called it in uh, in May. I like that. I like that. Uh, gentlemen, we've come to the point where I can't go any further um, without picking without picking my true boy, Bo Bauer. Bo Bauer. Bo Bauer. Yeah. Bo Bauer, the the man, the main, uh, <laughs> just just the absolute animal that we think he is. Uh, this is really going to be his his year to really shine. Bauer has been great and all the chances he's got, but he's really going to be put into position this year, um, you know, to, to be that guy out there at the mic. And I can't be more excited 
to watch that. That is, he has been my boy for, for quite a long time. Uh, so let's do it. So quick question before I make my fourth pick here. If, if I, if I declare my boy status, um, do I get him for, for his entire Notre Dame career or do I just get him for this year? Uh, I don't know. I think you forever get him because you okay. you were the first one. Is this a key? It's a keeper league. Awesome. Awesome. So I'm going to go freshman here and I'm going to go junior to a Halamaka to a Halamaka. Did I do that right? To a Halamaka. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're not supposed to fall in love with people based on a spring game performance. So I'm going to try to keep this super cool, but, uh, I love 44 out there running around. Um, I, I'm expecting great things from her, him. I think he, he seems to have a, an understanding of how uh, the game is supposed to be played. And I just, I let, I let watching him play. So I'm looking forward to four years of this and, uh, and claiming him as my boy early on, uh, 2022. Uh, all right. So here's my rationale for it because I'm going to take one of the, the main line players. Um, but I think I can do it because it, it makes sense to me. Uh, so last year, Jude was team Drew Pine. That's that's uh, not up for debate. Uh, negotiable. Is that, that's not yeah, it was debate, not negotiable. No. And Josh, absolutely non negotiable, was was team uh, Jack Cohn. Um, absolutely. And I and and I was the Tyler Buckner guy, um, throwing in packages as much as possible. So I'm putting Tyler Buckner in as my boy. Um, cause I've wanted, I've wanted Tyler Buckner. I've wanted the offense to be what I think that he's going to run it. Um, you know, with, with some more running. So I'm going in as Tyler Buckner as my boy and I'm justifying the fact that I'm taking a mainline guy. It's the fact that, uh, I've been an early adopter for as much as you can. So 2024 for, could get interesting with Dante Moore and with Dante Moore, uh, being huh? my boy in 2024. Yeah. <laughs> and Buckner. We'll see how the season goes, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll, uh, I'll take, um, I'll take one of the layups with uh, a frontline guy is, is Tyler Buckner. Uh, I'll take a layup. That's going to absolutely dunk. And be honest with you, I'm going to have to fucking flip a coin on this one. Flip a lid. All right. Give me Joe Alt. Oh, I'll take him off my list. <laughs> I was gonna say, I, I felt mean, like that was. I mean, was we're talking. Fisher, was that a Fisher alt call right there? Yeah, it was a Fisher alt. Yeah, pick, yeah. pick a tackle. Pick a tackle. Yeah. Uh, so I'll go ahead and t- I'll I'll take alt. Uh, <laughs> be more than ecstatic about it. I mean, li- listen, Notre Dame last year, their offensive line was was worse than bad. I mean, just we didn't know what the hell was happening. And they were just getting murdered. They went into the Florida State game with Fisher as a starter. He gets hurt right away. And then it's just a round of fucking of musical chairs at left tackle uh, from that point on. Up until Joe Alt. Now, Joe Alt first got his, his first PT playing tight end. They were bringing him in as a third tight end, basically, to, to help out because their left their line play was so bad. And then finally, it was like, well, you know. Might as well just make him a tackle. And that's really when Notre Dame's line solidified last year to be, they weren't great, but he did a good, he did a great job of solidifying uh, and played really, really well um, as a true freshman. Um, and I think really in his first year of being 
right? Because he he played mostly tight end in in high school. Yeah, uh, I could be wrong about that. Doesn't no, matter. You're, you're absolutely We're, correct. Yeah. So give me Joe Alt. That's just a that's a fucking no brainer, man. So I don't leave my boys behind. I don't make bastards out of my boys, and therefore my last pick is Drew Pine. Um, <laughs> I think you know. I, look, this is absolutely nothing against Buckner or Steve Angeli, um, but I've been riding. Uh, I've been riding the the pine cone, uh, pine part of the pine cone uh, debate. The pine pony. You've been yeah, the, the pine, pine pony. pony. Yeah, the pine oh, the, the pine express. Um, I love his swag. I I. I Everything I just said about the spring game, I'm not putting anything into the spring game now, now that I'm talking about Drew Pine. And you shouldn't. Um, should. And uh, I just, even if he ends the season as a, as a capable backup, I am I still love this guy. I'm still team Drew Pine all the way. And, um, you know, maybe it's that I'm 5'8 and 3 quarters and he's like probably an inch taller than me. But uh, I, I just... Or maybe this is the fact so what that you're we, saying. Just, we, we never get anybody from Connecticut because there's usually not good football. Uh, there's not good football being played in Connecticut. So I just uh, oh, we're getting a lot of them. This 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 class. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's it's. Pine so what time you're saying today. though, what you're saying though is prepare for more Jude. Why aren't you asking about Drew Pine uh, <laughs> outbursts? Well, I, you know, obviously the spring game quieted that down a little bit. Uh, for me and for everybody, but, um, I mean, yeah, after just, the, was it after the Purdue game where you, you really, you really started to, to question uh, put forth no, it was Virginia tech yeah. for me, Virginia tech. When he oh, oh you started, you started way before that. You started way yeah. before that. But Virginia tech, I remember being the most mad about because I was, I was certain that, that they were going to call him in when Cone struggled and then Buckner struggled. And I'm like, what are we doing here? What are we absolutely doing here? So, um, yeah, Drew Pine it is. And obviously totally rooting for Buckner to be successful and, and Notre Dame to have a fantastic year. Um, but if he's not capable, then I hope Pine is. I know Pine is. Brennan, your fifth and final boy. Well, oh, so um, I'm going to have to go with because I, I had a tier list. I had mine, mine all set up. Um, I'm going with Blake Fisher is my, is my fifth spot. Um, and it, it seems like a pretty easy one, but the thing about it is this is like everything about Blake Fisher. He's the most Notre Dame, Notre Dame athlete. I think that I've ever seen from like top to bottom. If you've ever looked at his social media, he is exclusively out there just like helping the community and being the most stand-up guy possible. Oh, and by the way, he gets injured in the first game of the season and then comes in, uh, you know, in the final game of the season and is absolutely lights out. Um, on a different think, side. On a different side. I think Blake Fisher is an absolute star. I think Joe Alt's an absolute star. I think Notre Dame, both of their tackles is the best situation that they've had at the tackle positions combined since what 2015 combined 15 uh dude potentially even a lot better than that just at, at the tackle position combined combined the tackle position could not be i can't 
picture it being better because I think Blake Fisher is a first round pick and I think Joe Alt is is the same. So um, and Blake Fisher is just like imagine? the goodest of dudes. So he he's my boy. Can you imagine in the what 2024 or 2025 draft Blake Fisher and Joe Alt going one and two? I don't NFL draft. I don't think that that is absurd. Like Joe I mean, that, was Joe was an absolute relevate uh, revelation. See what Brendan, we're on a travel team now. Our, our, our boys are on a travel team. Yeah, and so w- w- you and I really need to uh, over the next couple of years. Now we really need to put forth the uh, the hype here for for all. This Fisher. is this is this See, is they, like they can't some, win the Heisman because they're going to split votes. But we can hype them up enough. This to is be like some Whitaker Trammel stuff. This is Whitaker Trammel is yes. what we're talking about here. Hopefully they don't get fucked by the Hall of Fame like uh, like don't. Lou and Lou and Allen did. But yeah, well Lou. But I mean it. It was a dista. It was a dista Trammel. Not to bring. Uh, that's his. You know his soulmate. Yeah, it, it certainly is. Yeah. So yeah, give me Blake Fisher. Is my fifth. Excellent choice. Ah. Uh, uh, which leaves me and just I am in a pickle. You are in a pickle. I, I am in a. Uh, copy and paste I, this in here and put it in for my guest. I'm gonna have to. I, I'm gonna have to work this out. This is this is important to me. Yeah. So I really want to go. I, so I guess my first option is Jarrett Patterson. Of course, because I have been as high. I've been probably his loudest. Uh, a supporter out of anybody on the beat since he committed. I've, I've been fully behind Jared Patterson from day one, but I mean, I, 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 I also like a, a, a kind of a fuck you story. And I kind of feel like Dion Colsey <gasps> can have a giant middle finger up for everyone kind of doubting him. Cause he's really getting pushed to the side. She certainly is. By by a lot of people, and I think that he has a lot of potential to have like a Marie Stovall type year. You know, I'm in a pickle. I don't. <laughs> and this is a keeper league, and I do, I. I <clears throat> man, give. Shit. Yeah. Give me Deion Colsey. As much that, as I love Jarrett Patterson, the best center in college football who's going to play guard, I I want a uh I, I I want that middle finger story. And I think Deion Colsey uh is as ripe for it as anybody else. Please forgive please forgive me, Jarrett. I'm sure he won't. <laughs> so quick recap, Jude's boys, Cam Hart, Lorenzo Styles, Isaiah Foskey, Junior Tua Halamaka, and Drew Pine. Brendan's boys, a lot of speed here. Brendan, Le- Braden Lindsay, Chris Tyree, Ramon Henderson, Tyler Buckner, and Blake Fisher. Josh with the brawlers, Audrey Gestime, Riley Mills, Bo Bowauer, Joe Alt and Deion Colsey, man, I got some fighters, dog. You do have some some dogs. <laughs> got that dog in him. 
That might be my new favorite. Uh, I feel pretty good about these lists. I like them. I uh, I feel pretty good about mine. I uh, I got most of the guys I wanted. Uh, so so I feel pretty good. I got my top two. I got uh, my top five. I got uh, four of my top five. I just missed out on Riley Mills. So I feel pretty good. Yeah, I got four of my top five. Uh, and with you know Alton Fisher could have been either or. Yeah. Alton Fisher was my seven and eight, so I felt pretty good about it. I I was not prepared for number five. I was not prepared to be in that pick. That's what I'm saying about if like if we went to ten, we would have been like six is okay, but it's sort of like expanding the playoff. It it gets a little bit dicey when you get there through six through ten. So if we had another round, Jude Brendan, would you guys have picked Patterson? I would pick Maris Leofile. That's funny. I was also looking at Leofile. Yeah, I mean, Maris Leofile was my. Also talk. I was also thinking about Jade Mickey, uh, Jadarian Price. Yeah, I mean, Brandon Joseph is still sitting there too. Brandon Joseph is sitting there. Brandon Joseph, I definitely considered him too. Yep. I mean, I didn't. You know what? The Adam Malola twins. Yeah, I was thinking about Jason. Oh God, yeah. And dude, Avery, Avery Davis, like Avery Davis is another big option He's been for me. A warrior because, for a, I, you know, it's funny is I, yeah. I, I, I never considered Michael Meyer. I didn't, I, I didn't consider him either because I thought it was too, like <laughs> you, he's everybody's boy. He's everybody's like, boy. Yeah, you exactly. can't say that Michael Meyer's boy. He can't belong to you. Yeah. He can't, he can't belong, belong to you. He belongs to all of us. Yeah. 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 That's one it's of those good. ones where he. And he's you just, know what? Jordan Patello used to be my boy. I used to talk him up a lot, but I don't know. Man. Well, he's a he's a fighter. You love you love the fight. I, I do, and I loved him crushing the punter in that one play too. So. <laughs> I well, you I like a dirty guy, Prince, right? You need Prince a dirty Kali guy too. Um, well, I thought that, that would be that would have been a pretty good uh, investment in there. Well, I mean, I. I had Jack Kaiser up there. Yeah. Jack Kaiser is, is someone because of his, his origin story is a guy who, but again, this, this is a lot of do with the Julian love theory. Like if if Kaiser was a, came from a bigger school and I mean, he ended up being a four star by some services, but a little higher ranked recruiting thing, he's right on track, right? He's right on track to be, to be one of those, higher ranked four-star guys in the production that he's given Notre Dame since he's been here. He's been great. And hell, the kid's got his degree already. So all he's going to be doing is chewing up football uh, all season long. Unless he's doing that two-year Mendoza thing. Well, all right. Well, I feel good about these, about these guys. I'm excited for the season in May. Uh, <laughs> uh, ready to go with that. All right. Well, let's wrap this up, guys. Uh, Jude, my friend, what do you have left in the tank? Just a quick note. Um, the women's lacrosse season is now over. They unfortunately fell to Michigan in the first round of the NCAA tournament. So um, Gross. Yeah. 
and more importantly, some of my favorite uh, seniors and super seniors who are on a team have graduated and are going to pursue their the next chapter of their, their lives. But uh, so going to miss a lot of people, including Maddie Howe, my all-time favorite uh, Notre Dame women's lacrosse player. So, but you know, looking forward to uh, seeing what the ladies bring next year. That's it. Brendan, what do you got left in that uh, in that tank up there in Ann Arbor? Oh, I got uh, I got nothing left in the tank, man. I have uh, nothing to to add to the discussion. I thought I uh, brought it all, left it all on the table, and uh, you couldn't fill up if you wanted to because it's too expensive. It's too expensive. Yeah, it's like four thirty nine a gallon or whatever. Oof. It's uh, it's five twenty for premium. Shoof. It's <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. That's higher than the uh, Michigan football team when they were playing Appalachian State. <laughs> I love that story. It's the greatest story ever it. told. <laughs> uh, it's just uh, it, it. It feels like after all these years, it was just like let them know, get the excuse out there. This 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 has to be told. We were just stoned, guys. We didn't suck. <laughs> um, well just a reminder everybody uh as well as the reviews get on over to uh to the website uh, i'm i am really enjoying the format for the off season so far with the uh kind of the inside baseball the penny trade we got going on for stories um uh, been a lot of fun stuff um there'll be a lot more where that come from um i I just enjoy seeing a, a fucking picture of Rasputin on the front page. Uh, I may pin that or use as many pictures of Rasputin as I can uh, during the off season, see what kind of weird dark magic we can create um, for the few people that, <laughs> that said they wanted to hear the, uh, the off the rails pod of uh, Joshua Vols, my American journey. Uh, <laughs> or whatever. Uh, that is going to happen uh, but you guys ruined it because people said that they wanted to hear it and I was going to entitle it uh, nobody wants to hear this but apparently a couple people do um, so I'll do that that's that's a little more nuanced than, uh, than some other off the rail stuff so I was hoping I put up a fence and did all sorts of crazy shit didn't have the time to do it We'll get around to it here soon. I promise you, um, as well as a bunch of other stuff. Ah, man, and that's it. Enjoy the recruiting rumors. Enjoy, just enjoy it all because that's uh, this is what we have for the next <laughs> next couple months. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, open up your pools. Yeah, open the pool. You know, check uh, the pool equipment. Commit commit heresy. I <laughs> I mean I it was I think this was one of the I wanted to do this a lot more justice than I did, uh, but I was kind of uh, under the constraints of time. But honestly, you know, putting skulls in in instead of the mums, uh, making the students swear. Uh, brown robes enchant rather than uh, the ugly shirt. 
uh, putting uh, flames in through the gates, uh, you know, having <laughs> having a, a bunch of snakes on a statue of St. Uh, Domenico going through the stadium, uh, gargoyles on the stadium, uh, evil piped in, or evil organ pipe music. These are all guys walking around flagellating themselves. This, these are all things that we can lean into. Uh, uh, apparently that's heresy to some. To me, it's just leaning into being Catholic, uh, which can be scary as fuck to people that are not Catholic. Certainly can, and I love it. <laughs> I, I, I'm telling you guys, I, I'll, I'll, uh, I'm not going to send our readers the screenshots, but I will send Brendan and Jude the screenshots that were sent to me in the conversation. It was uh, a lot of fun. Um, God, there's just there's just so much you could do to lean into, like. Why why make it a, a St. Patrick's Day Wonderland when you can make it a Spanish Inquisition uh, dungeon? Uh, you tell me what's scarier for the other team. And it could keep their fans out. It certainly would I mean, keep them out. So you got this narrow tunnel that they go through, which is great, right? But what you should have is like kind of like uh, Christmas when you're hanging things from the ceiling. Like have a shitload of like the Pope's pear. Like fully greased up too, hanging from the from the you know the tunnel. Just just saying. I I don't know. I had too much fun with that one, and not enough time to do it. But uh, that's it for us. Jude's doing. <laughs> Jude didn't have any any potato chips tonight, so I'm trying. We're all good. I'm really trying. <laughs> I just, I, I love that somebody that we've had multiple comments about there. People are just settling into that, Jude. Did I tell you that I, I found a new verbal? Well, probably our listeners know it's probably been a long time verbal tick and I just never noticed it with the word obviously. So I've been inserting the word obviously a lot in my speech and I'm trying to get rid of it because I it's I say things that are it's obvious to me, but may not be obvious to you. Right. So I say, obviously, um, you know where I'm headed with this. <laughs> it's like, no. <laughs> so <laughs> do you do uh, that when you write too? No, it does not afflict me in, in, in writing. And uh, but, do you, but do you have some words that you overuse when you write, though? Um, like apparently, obviously, I feel like a lot of adverbs get overused. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm guilty as shit of of using several different words, uh, way too much uh, as I write. Today, I was I was writing a, a security plan, and I kept saying the security seals are sealed. <laughs> I was just like, that's dumb. <laughs> it's really dumb. You know what that is? That that's that's top quality George Lucas dialogue, right yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, super good. So Lucasfilm has signed you up right now. Yeah. The, 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 I told my wife about the obviously one and she goes, you also say, you know what I mean? And write a lot. And she goes, and you don't even wait for people to acknowledge. Like if you say, right, you don't even wait for people to say, right. You just keep going. And I said, yeah, I guess I'm checking for understanding, like based on your body language. I have no idea. I have no idea, but to the extent that you, yeah, sometimes you just say these verbal texts, I apologize. Yeah, you know, sometimes you just say something, you know, to get to get the grunt to know that someone's still listening. Yeah, I, and for me, I, I know how 
a lot of it's eye contact and, you know, verbal expressions. Like if you start frowning after I say right, then I'm going to slow down and probably say, oh, wait, do you not know See, what I, I mean I've, or do you not agree? I've mastered the art of staring somebody in the eye for 10 minutes plus and not listen to a word they say. So eye contact <laughs> wouldn't be a good one with me, Jude. <laughs> yeah, because you'd be checked out. You'd be checked out. Oh, I've been che- yeah, checked out. But uh, but but grunting uh, it seems to be <laughs> seems to be part of it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I do a good stare and uh, and don't listen. It's a it's a skill. I I highly recommend it. All right, well, let's get out of here. And uh, so thank you for listening. And as always, go Irish. <laughs>